When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Wallop right here on Jaybird Watching. I am Craig Borden, and our normal co-host, Brennan Panikar slash Celebrity, here. What's going on, my friend? It's uh, getting a little difficult to deal with this uh, Nissan Celebrity status, my friend. People are recognizing me in the flight deck and everything, so I might need to bring security guys to games from now on. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you yeah. need your uh, Jaybird Watching uh, entourage, right? <laughs> I, I need a T-shirt or something that says Jaybird Washington to start capitalizing on this, but no, it, that was uh, definitely an interesting way to kick off the season the night before uh, opening day. Yeah, and um, Adam Corsair and I talked about it during the live the game cast over the weekend a little bit, but let's get the you know story a little bit from the horse's mouth here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Sarah and I we went, went over to Liberty Village, which is uh, a cool little trendy neighborhood because they have a bar there called um, Big Rock Brewery. And they sell, that's the only place in Ontario where you can get Alberta Genuine Draft, because obviously it's from Alberta. So we went and got a case of that. We hopped on the streetcar, came back and got off at our stop. And Sarah wanted to go into um, Shoppers. And we're in there. I'm looking at my, my Twitter as she's going up and down the aisle. And I'm like, oh, my God. First thing I see is Kendry's Morales is traded. So Sarah's a little bit ahead of me. I'm like, Sarah, she just traded Kendry's to Oakland. And then she says, really? And then some guy who I thought was just a fan is like, really? What happened? Who got traded? So I'm not looking up. I go still looking at my phone to make sure the trade is legitimate. I start turning the phone to this person who asked about it. And I look up and I'm like, oh, oh, my God, it's Joe Eugene. <laughs> so that was obviously the first he heard about it because he doesn't have social media. He probably just left Rogers Center from his workouts. And we were just talking, saying, uh, yeah, it sucks for for Joe that he saw Kendry's a, an hour ago and they are posting on the Blue Jays Instagram of Kendry's sitting in the stands with all the Latino guys like Luis Gurriel and Richard Urania and all that stuff. So we're just talking about how good of a clubhouse guy, person, Kendry's Morales is, which was obviously a huge sentiment with guys like Pilar and Stroman posting about Kendry's Morales. And then we just got him talking about how spring was and, and Florida and the new technologies saying – Rap Soto and all that fun stuff. There's a lot going on at spring training this past year. So we just got into that, and then he asked us what snack he should get, and he went with the Reese's Snack Mix. There you go. You got to go with the snack mix, man. <laughs> exactly. Just, what was the word I saw you saying? Don't tell the nutritionist on the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, he said, don't tell the nutritionist. I'm looking in this aisle. They would be a little upset with me. <laughs> 
I can see him like in full character because Joe Biagini is just priceless as far as a you know character in baseball. Just kind of like yeah. know, whispering it under his breath. Don't tell the nutritionist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's definitely the most unique interaction I've had with an athlete. Like you've seen me post on Twitter before, living downtown, especially during baseball season. If you walk outside on weekends when they're playing right around when they probably walk into the ballpark, there's a good chance walking along the streets that you'll run into somebody. So I, last year I ran into Lemus Diaz, Jay Happ, and everything, but it's always me going up to them because they don't want to be recognized. This time it was B. Genie coming up to me and I guess kind of pretending he was just a normal fan, and then I'm like, oh, my God, it's Joe. So yeah, it, it, was, it was definitely cool. <laughs> yeah, I've never had a play. I've only had one player, you know, come up to me and oddly enough it was Roy Holiday we were at some little coffee shop down around the ballpark there when me and my dad were just up for the game to goof around we kept looking over yeah. like because he was kind of like incognito like he didn't want to be net recognized and then in typical Roy Holiday fashion he goes yeah that's right I'm Roy Holiday <laughs> when he comes over <laughs> basically gives you that yeah. attitude like you know it's like yep that's me <laughs> yeah well, this is the guy that on his Twitter feed you. that used to follow like it was like what every month or so there'd be somebody he'd sneak up behind wearing a Phillies jersey with thirty two yeah. on it. <laughs> and he'd take a picture. Well, of it. it was he was the uh, the master at that. His Twitter was actually pretty funny. Yeah, I really miss that. But but that's really cool, man. And I'm glad we were able to get that story out of you. You know, instead of everybody else talking about it for a change, <laughs> you were well, everywhere just, all of a sudden. <laughs> I know. I just. And shocked how quickly that kind of, I guess, went viral. I mean, sometimes people still find it and like it. So it's upwards of 4,700 likes and 600 and something retweets. And yeah. It was picked up by Toronto Star, The Athletic, uh, everywhere. So I said, I my just dad is how a Sports Illustrated article. And I'm like, isn't this so our friend Brendan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely neat to see for sure. And I gained a lot of followers from that. So I got to try to keep building that as I get closer to a thousand. Yeah, I'm glad you and Sarah got to experience that together too because that's just too funny to both of you doing, running into somebody like that. So <laughs> somebody we're not going to be running into, and this is the big elephant in the room, man, with Blue Jays fans right now, and the big talking point, Kevin Pillar, no longer a Toronto Blue Jay. Crazy, eh? It's so weird not seeing him control center field anymore. And... Uh, you know what? When I first saw that, I was happy because they cleared room for Anthony Alford, although maybe it's not going to be Anthony Alford long-term. You never know with that Socrates burrito trade, which we'll get into for a bit. But you know what? He's a good, at least my experience with him. I did run into him two years ago. Seemed like a decent guy. He helped out in the community a lot. And he always gave it his all. A lot of highlight real plays with Kevin Pillar. Yeah, that was one thing that I think needs to be remembered for Kevin Pillar as his tenure as a Blue Jay. This guy was a grinder. He would try to do his best every day. This is the guy it was. He was a 32nd round pick, if I yep. recall right. And right. just being able to even get to the majors, period. There's how many people in those late rounds typically make it to the majors and then let alone stand out like Kevin Pillar did? Yeah, his defense was probably the reason he stood out. But I was reminded earlier today when I was flipping through my Twitter feed that Ian Hunter had posted, remember in 2015 this might have been the the um, home run that turned around the Blue Jays' season. They were seven games below yeah. five home, 500 or something like that. That home run he hit when they were literally at the lowest they were that season kind of gave them that little bit of juice, and then the trades happened, and it really, really picked up quick. And that's a guy well, that even really wasn't thought of even in that spring training. Yeah. 
No, and you know what? The one thing I'll always remember Pilar for in 2015 especially is, they were talking about this the other day on the radio, is that that series that the Jays went into in Washington in 2015, they were a few games below 500, and Max Scherzer was starting for the Nationals, and Pilar hit two home runs that day, which propelled the Jays to the win. And there were some rumblings around that time that if they did not perform on that road trip, that John Gibbons could have been fired back then because they were severely underperforming. They were below 500, and in a weird way, it's possible that Kevin Pillar did save Gibbons' job, and then they rattled off an 11-game win streak after that win, and then all the trades happened, and then you had your second 11-game win streak. And you know what? He was a very key piece to an outfield that featured Jose Bautista and then whatever circus they were throwing up in left field until Ben Revere got here. Pillar was a huge contributor on defense, and you could rely on him that year. Yeah, and don't forget, remember, the starting center fielder is now the newest member of the Blue Jays' 60-day injured list. Dalton Pompey was the center fielder to start 2015. That's right. Pilar was in left to start the year. That's in left field that he made that raw catch to save Todd Redmond double home run. Correct. And then it became the Chris Colabellos of the world and whatnot in left field. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was such a circus, man. Colabello and left. I forget who else they trotted out there in left field until Revere got here, but could always count on Pilar uh, being able to help out Bautista and whoever was being thrown out in that in left field until Revere got here. Yeah. So, but now, did you see his first at bat as a San Francisco Giant? Oh, that picture was circulated because Russell Martin was catching him. So <laughs> I bet they had a little laugh. Maybe Russell Martin was like, "Oh, you got shipped out left too, huh?" Yeah, I might have seen one of the best tweets I've seen in a couple of days about that exact picture. It was Russell Martin kind of getting a little bit of a laugh while he's putting his mask on and Pilar's walking up to the plate and somebody put in the little like cartoon comic book bubble, hey, can you do it for me one time, please, for old time's sake? And it was <laughs> then it shows the next picture of him like swinging out of his shoes and almost falling on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of pictures of Pilar just lying straight on the ground. It's like he was passed out or something. I would have trademarked it kind of Pilar for whatever reason. <laughs> But that was a cool moment, at least in the midst of all that had to have been chaos for him. You know, this is somewhere he's only played. He knows it's baseball, and he knows that he had to have feeling this was coming a little bit, especially watching literally everybody from the 2015 roster kind of dropping like flies around him. To have yeah. Russell Martin right there right when he walks out onto the field for the first time in a San Francisco Giants jersey, I had to have felt a little bit better on the whole thing. Seems quite fitting, doesn't it, that uh, a former teammate for quite a few years was able to greet him at home plate. Yeah, it's like, hey, buddy, don't worry about it. The grass is fine on this side of the fence, too, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and you're now out in California, where Kevin Pillar is from. So yeah. at the same time, even though it sucks, he's closer to home, so I'm sure he's quite happy about that. I did read something, apparently, though he's got to convert his family from being Dodgers fans. <laughs> Of course. Yeah, because he was growing up around L.A. Yeah, so that 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 one right there, oh, it's all over with. <laughs> He's disowned in the family being a giant. <laughs> so, good stuff. But in the midst of all that, the Blue Jays did get some good pieces, I think, back. They're all full-on wild cards, though, Brendan. Oh, huge, huge wild cards. You know what? The key to that deal was Juan DePaula, the 19th-ranked prospect in the giant system. You know, you can never have enough talented arms in your system. And this kid is pretty talented. I was going through his fan graph page earlier. I know it's a very small sample size, but once he got to the Giants last year and made one start, he dominated. And he's never had an ERA in the minors 
below or above 3.07. So he does have some talent, but he is most definitely a wild card. Yeah, and mind you, only 21 years old. So one thing I was hearing a lot before after this trade is, well, he was left open for anybody to grab him a few weeks, months ago with a 40-man uh, not being on the excuse me, Giants 40-man roster. He was left open for the Roll 5 draft. That guy's 21. This is the exact kind of guy that you would not expect to get through or to get through the Rule 5 draft without being picked. He's so far away from the Maya, the majors. It's not Elvis Luciano, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and he, even though he excelled, it's a guy that, like I said, just has enough talent that he's probably he's destined for single A this year. The Blue Jays have him penciled in right now in Dunedin to play, and that's and honestly, I think that looking where his minor league stats have been, that's a good fit for him. Yeah, well, I agree. And if he gets off to a good start, which he has pitched well at every stop in the minors, he's been traded three times now, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, for, he was drafted by the Red Sox, part. right? Yep, and he was also pitching in the Mariners system, the Yankee system, and he was sent by the Yankees to the Giants in the Andrew McCutcheon trade. So, uh, I mean, he's been kind of like Billy McKinney. He's been traded for some pretty good pieces in all the deals that DePaula has been a part of. Yeah, the video I have seen on him, as far as um, what his potential could be, we just saw the guy I think that he profiles to eventually be, and that is, um, shoot, why am I blanking on the name? Oh, Trent Thornton. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that he has good spin rate like Trent Thornton. That's kind of what I was getting out of watching some of the videos. Our guys, at, our buddies at Prospects Live had way too much video on him, and I'm like, what the hell, guys? Come on, I literally just found out about this guy, and you got, like, hours of footage. <laughs> It's always counting on the Prospect Live folks. I love our friends over at Prospect Live. They got their stuff together, and honestly, there's your free plug, fellas. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and it's already all over our website, too, so there's that. <laughs> but the rest of these pieces aren't bad either. Um, you know, Alex Hansen seems like he's going to profile as somebody that's going to probably be salvageable. You know, maybe, you know, decent enough. <laughs> But yeah, he's that he's in that same ballpark as the Sogard kind of conversation right now, you know. Yeah, and they need that on their roster with all the transition that's going on. I I still am trying to figure out where Alan Hansen uh, fills out in this roster, or if he'll let come to the Blue Jays because I don't believe he is. Uh, but I also don't know because I believe he was DFA'd. Um, two guys that they picked up, Socrates Brito as well. Even, I believe Hanson and Brito were both DFA, so I'm not sure how that's going to work in terms of where they have to report to. But by all accounts, at least Alan Hanson brings a lot of speed to this potential bench that he'll be a part of. Yeah, and it's the right tools. It's depth move with him, clearly, but you never know. It's one of those wild cards like we were talking about. And then Derek Law, guy that's had some really odd ups and downs in the bullpen. Could profile as somebody that could come in and be a good change of scenery candidate, right? Yeah, I agree. And you know what? He wasn't DFA'd, so I believe he's destined for Buffalo to start the year. But I would not be surprised if at some point within the next month or two, Derek Locke gets up here quite quickly. You know what? They had Dan Shulman on the radio yesterday on Primetime Sports with Bob McCown, and he was talking about Derek Locke. And when... Shulman was still really heavy involved with ESPN. He was saying how often he saw Law pitch doing a lot of Giants games. And his 2016 was really good. Like, you look at his stats, he was with one war 
as a reliever, that's really good if he can post a one war. So he was a key piece in that giant bullpen, a 213 ERA, 253 FIP, and he didn't walk a whole lot of guys. But, man, the last two years for Law have been a bit of a train wreck. Yeah, and what happened in those last couple years? I haven't, I, don't, I haven't read anything about he was injury prone or anything like that. It looks like a lot of up and down in the minors and yeah, things like that. But I can't see any pattern with Derek Law looking at his minors and major statistics because there's some years where he doesn't walk anybody and there's other years in the minors where he's walking everybody. And that's kind of been the story of him at the majors the last two years. In 2016 when he was good, his base on ball per nine innings was only 1.47, which is great as a reliever. Mm-hmm. And in 13 innings last year, it was 5.40. I know that's not a big sample size, but he got hit around and he was not doing himself any favors by putting a lot of base runners on. So I don't know what he figures out here. Maybe once he gets up here, they think they can get him back to the 2016 form, which would be absolutely fantastic. And they're kind of seeing that right now of a current reliever in the bullpen is getting back to his 2016 self in Joe Biagini. Yeah, so and, yeah, your new friend. But in general, the Blue Jays pitching has been a lot better, period. And honestly, I I think you probably read my article before the end of this before the beginning of the season where the coaching staff was announced and I'm like, Pete Walker still here? Question mark. <laughs> Did I miss something? <laughs> so I don't know what's figured out, but that 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 I think that the change of scenery for Derek Derek Law is gonna be just the right thing for him. And the rest of this we ended up having more trade information that day. <laughs> As we uh, trade to minor leaguer Rodrigo Orozco for... Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to say it funny now. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> it's for Socrates Brito. And this is a sneaky move because this is a guy that is a crusher of minor league pitching. Hasn't translated yeah. into the, mi- the majors in any of his years with the Padres or Diamondbacks. So, well, what do you get, man? The guy, yeah, you know, another wild card, but he was at the strong recommendation and endorsement of Shelly Duncan, who was with Socrates Brito with the Diamondbacks the last few years. So, Shelly Duncan saw it, and former teammate Brandon Drury as well. Both had pretty great reviews about Socrates Brito. Now, Atkins said yesterday that Brito would be coming to the majors, which makes me think that Anthony Alford stays up here is not going to be very long. Once Brito reports and gets here, he probably takes over as a fourth outfielder. So Billy McKinney gets every day at best. But yeah, I, I, for the time being, at least, at least with his speed, uh, and he's got a bat too. So you never know; he could develop into something. And Shelley Duncan saw it, and he at recommendation they went out and got him. Yeah, this is so typical Blue Jay mold. Grab a guy <laughs> that you don't quite as a figure out that last piece, right? Same, very similar to how we acquired frickin' Jose Bautista, almost. I'm not saying he's gonna be Jose Bautista. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm just... The Blue Jays have had good luck with doing these kind of trades over the years, right? You get somebody that's a little bit maybe on the edge. This Somebody that's destined for quadruple A, basically, which doesn't exist. <laughs> and you turn him into something, you know? And um, it was the same thing with Chris Colabello. Yeah, there might have been something else attributing to that, which is why he isn't employed <laughs> at the moment. But Wait, that's never been confirmed. <laughs> exactly, and it's I just it they've been able to do these kind of things over the years, and these are the kind of people you need to step up for a team to be successful. You're never going to always get everything planned right. Things are going to go wrong in a season, and you're going to need somebody to step up. 
these are the kind of guys if you bring them into the season, you never know what's going to happen. And he has a track record in the minor leagues. Yeah, it's amazing that he hasn't translated over. Yeah, you know what? This could be another one of those guys who need to change the scenery or be united with the right hitting coach that gets the most out of them. And with how young Guillermo Martinez is, maybe that maybe there's something there. You might be able to just make it click for Burrito, who's demonstrated even last year. You look at his stats in 114 AAA games. He had 17 bombs, 15 steals, and 69 ribbies, and 140 weighted runs created plus. So that's a lot he, of tools. Got it's a lot of tools, man. <laughs> a lot of tools. Yeah, there is. And and power, speed, average, everything. And some that some of the Blue Jays could use. And, and for all you know, if he's hitting 17 home runs, and he would have been playing in the Pacific Coast League, probably right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. one thing, but the. American League East plays eerily similar <laughs> to the Pacific Coast League. <laughs> Just exactly. major league pitching. But um, you never know. And I think it was a good move. And maybe that confidence that Shelly Duncan instilled in this idea of getting him to Toronto is that last bit that he needed. You know, something like that is amazing yeah. what having a good mentality will be going into Just a new need- situation. Just need somebody to believe in you and get the most out of you. Shelly Duncan clearly saw something there, and hopefully it translates because uh, they they are in need of an outfielder to uh, take a job, which they've locked up one of those already. Yeah, and that is a great segue, so thank you. Points. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. One of these days I'm going to let you do all the hosting part, and I'll do all the race <laughs> We'll just start trading we'll off every week. <laughs> Keep people on their toes. There you go. So... Randall Gritchick, as you were alluding to, my friend, five years, $52 million, what is probably going to be the first of the Toronto Blue Jays extensions. But I would be shocked if anything comes new in any near term to this one. But Gritchick, perfect place to start. I, yeah, I agree. You know what? That clearly signified that uh, the next core, they want Randall Gritchick around here to be a part of uh, – the Vlad and Bo Corps and, and hopefully Kevin Biggio and Danny Jansen. So, you know what? They need, they have only have where to scurry is the only guaranteed contract beyond the end of this season. So they have a ton of money to play with. All that $49 million that they're paying to keep people away will all be off the books uh, at the end of this year, except for maybe Tulo. I can't remember. I think but, Tulo uh, is on one more season. Although yeah. He's back right where we expect him to be right now. <laughs> exactly. Back in the injured. What a surprise. Shot. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, shock. What a shocker! Yeah, no, I, I, I'm all in favor of this. And you know what? Is everybody at the beginning of the year was picking Randall Gritchick to be that breakout candidate who just finally realizes his potential that he has with the Cardinals? Uh, and if he does and continues that for the next two years, that deal will look like a steal because it's barely over ten million uh, when you average it out over the five years. Yeah, and it was front loaded, so exactly. it's only going to get easier throughout the Blue Jays' uh, tenure here to, you know, pay him. <laughs> yeah, so there were some incentives, the... I believe, too, but as far as it goes, it was very, very team-friendly as far as the payment structure, and the player still gets exactly what they want. And Gritchick, honestly, if you were going to pick a player to build on right now and send a message to certain other people maybe in that extension ballpark, you literally picked what yep. is a guy that's been toted as being an amazing teammate, a leader in that locker room already, even though he's only been there for a year. Somebody that plays both sides of the baseball really well, and it like just does everything kind of really well. You know, maybe we other than we know he has plenty of power. Everything else is kind of just he's good at it, right? Yeah, exactly. 
I, I would like to see him cut down on the strikeouts a little bit, but that's what you're going to get with a power hitter who's not fully yet refined. But oh, it's, it, I think it's a great extension. In a, it, considering how slow his start was last year and then went on the disabled list and missed all of May and part of April, he had a really good second half of that year and still ended up being worth 2.1 wins. So that, I think, at the beginning of the year, if he picked one guy on the opening day 25-man roster who would be worthy of an extension, I think everybody would have picked Randall Gritchick, and it happened. Yeah, and what a way for him to celebrate. <laughs> Two homers, baby. What was that? Two home runs. Two home runs, and not to mention that, he had a double to lead off in the first inning, too. He was stroking the ball today. That's one thing that they were saying on the broadcast is how well he looked at, how good he looked at the plate today. So nice to see him already rewarding them. Yeah, and continuing the trend of having obscene exit velocity. His first home run in the game, 106.1 miles per hour, and 103 for the second one, both over 400 feet. And you know what? One thing that everybody was pointing to last year when he got off to the slow start, he got so unlucky with so many balls he put in play. He was hitting it deep to the warning track. His exit velocity when he went on the DL was amongst the top in baseball. So you knew that there was going to be a breakout, which he did It went once he got off the disabled list. Yeah. Batting average might not be up, and well, it probably is after today's performance, but it is going to come up all things Randall Gritchick, I think, in the very near future. And honestly, I would hope that the Blue Jays' management team keeps him in that two spot. He looks incredible in that spot, and I think it fits his swing and the way he plays baseball really well. I agree. Get on base for the uh, big poppers. A few who have started a bit slow, but you know, a few of them will come around as the season continues to go along. Yeah, would you like to dive into the offensive struggles first before we go further here? <laughs> you know what? I've been a little disappointed for sure with T. Oscar Hernandez's start, but the one thing I will give him props for, he looked really comfortable in left field. But Man, if you're making guys, we talked about this before we started recording this, if you're making guys, I'll give Jordan Zimmerman a pass because he once was a really good pitcher and can still get guys out, but if you're making guys like Spencer Turnbull, Matt Moore, David Hess, and Andrew Kasner look like Cy Young candidates, then I'm kind of nervous about what this weekend's going to look like because you face Trevor Bauer tomorrow night, Shane Bieber makes his first start of the season on Friday, Carlos Carrasco on Saturday, and Mike Clevenger on Sunday. So this could be a bit of a, a scary series coming up against Cleveland, and the offense has got to start going. Luckily yeah. today, they look a lot more comfortable. The only saving grace is we're not facing Kluber, <laughs> but we're facing everybody else. <laughs> Every, Kluber got lit up today, too, which was surprising. So, uh, yeah, and Clevenger struck out 12, I believe, on, um, in the Indians' home opener on I Monday. Right. So, so, yeah, so I don't know. Honestly, I think he might be the better one at the end of the season. Yeah, Kluber's uh, yeah, good. Carrasco, even two years ago in 2016, when we still had the playoff core, struck out 14. So Carrasco is still a very good arm as well. Yeah, so I don't know if you did this. I, funny enough, I'm kind of pissed that Bucks freaking stat people stole this one from me because I had this. <laughs> the Blue Jays, through the three innings in all first of the five games, went one for 56 in those innings. Nuts. I don't know how you I don't know how you struggled that much throughout the first few innings. After the first two, I believe after game two, Montoya was saying, yeah, we, after the first time around, we changed our approach at the plate. So I'm like, okay, I can kind of get behind that. But when it's becoming a trend like it has the last few days, that's, that's worrisome, especially against the quality or lack thereof of starters they face so far. It's a, a little concerning, to say the least. 
Well, I guess in defense of what you just said there, if they're going to be up for their second time and get that change, out of nine of those innings, they were no hit. So that means they hadn't gotten that second chance yet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I just it just it it boggles my mind because I know the athleticism that is in this lineup just as well as you and all the other Blue Jays fans do. This should be something that I was assuming that we would never have this kind of a dry spell throughout the season just because there is so much hitting talent, right? I was assuming that somebody would be at least getting on base here, there, wherever it might be to supplement that fact that, oh, by the way, we suck overall, but there's three people in this lineup hitting it all the time. Yeah, that just hasn't been the case at this point. And they also have not gotten the big hit when they needed it. I can't remember which, I think it was on Monday, maybe it was on Sunday, whenever Rowdy Teles came up with the bases loaded, or maybe it was even last night, but regardless, Rowdy came up, with the bases loaded, the first pitch he flies up to left field. So yeah, they, they, but during they, our game cast the other day, he had the three-run home run that brought it back. <laughs> Huge! That was awesome. And then his celebration in the dugout after was oh, uh, that was, was gold. You have to be here so far. That's top, that's pinned to the top of my uh, Twitter profile. Boom! <laughs> that's all you can say. Boom! <laughs> uh, that might that one's going to be one of the better pictures probably all season for the Blue Jays fans. Him walking uh, right yeah. up to the video camera in the her locker room, just ah, flexing. <laughs> and it couldn't happen to a better guy either. I, I'm so happy to see Rowdy contributing when he's been up here. And you know what? He's not going to play much against lefties this year. The Indians will not be don't have a lefty in their rotation, so he's going to get a lot of at bats over the course of this weekend too. Correct, and it was actually in today's game against the Orioles to watch him, you know, on getaway day here. It was nice to see him playing first base too, because I honestly think he is a better defensive first baseman that everybody gives him credit for. As everybody kind of just makes it sound like he doesn't know what he's doing over there. I'd say he's a salvageable first baseman. The problem is yep. you're looking at Justin Smoke every day, who is a defensive wonder at first base. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's fair to label Rowdy as uh, somebody who can't play defense. Uh, this early in his career. You know what? Even Kendrick Morales last few years when he had to play first base didn't look as much of a liability as people thought he would be. So give Rowdy a chance. So it was nice to see him at first. Yeah. So as far as the offense goes, we've talked about some of the struggles here and one of the things. One of the things I think that they could comp- completely overhaul here a little bit as far as what has been going on attributing to those weird numbers that we were just talking about, Brendan. How much of this has been them just swinging at balls that are not even in the strike zone, not taking pitches, not even getting a real good look at the pitcher when they come up. Yeah. You know what? On opening day, I believe Lourdes Gurriel made three one-pitch outs. I know two for sure. I believe he made a third. There's been a lot of one-pitch outs so far this year, not taking balls, uh, not going deep in counts, swinging at garbage that's down in the dirt. There's been quite a bit of that so far, and there haven't been too many that haven't done that. The one thing I will say, which is nice to see, is Tiascar is walking a lot more so far this year than he has uh, the past year, and he looks a lot better at the plate and not chasing stuff he would have last year. So yeah, and I'll today in particular, there. the one at bat I saw from him today, he had three balls on him for a change. <laughs> yeah, where probably a few of those he would have swung at last year. So it is nice to see Tiascar looking a lot more comfortable at the plate and not swinging a crap. Yeah, so... On that note, with the Teoscar thing looking a little bit better, Loris Gurriel Jr. looks like he's taking a big step back. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's disappointing, uh, especially for a guy who tore the cover off the baseball 
uh, after he got up here for good last year. But the thing that sets with Lourdes as well is that he has not been very good defensively. He's made a few errors thus far this season. And that's the aspect of his game where the front office definitely doesn't think that he is very good. And that's why he hasn't been able to solidify a position throughout the entire minor league career that he's had. So if he's not performing defensively and he's not hitting, he is a candidate to go down when some guys get healthy or Vlad comes up here because I've been quite impressed with Brandon Jury so far. I know he's slowed down after the first few games, but defensively Brandon Jury is quite good. Yeah, he's been looking very, very good at third base. As probably one of the better third basemen we've had in the you know in the midst of the hot podger outside of Josh Donaldson that we've had over the last two years. Yeah, and it's it's going to be so difficult in a way when Vlad gets here to see him that third base compared to the play that Brandon Drury is making. But hey, Vlad without that will uh, put all that to rest quite quickly. Yeah, and not to mention it's going to hopefully light a giant fire under this offense's ass. <laughs> so, but yeah. Offenses have been troublesome, but on the flip side of the coin, this pitching is one of the best in baseball right now. It is. You know what? Save for Daniel Hudson, I've been very impressed with the bullpen as well. Hudson already has shown why the Angel let go of him in spring. So I believe in only six innings, he allowed five home runs, and he's already allowed two in his appearances so far, and some pretty big game-changing home runs as well, obviously on opening day, but... No, man, if if they get this kind of starting pitching for the rest of the year, save for the fifth spot, the rotation has been fantastic. And hopefully that continues over the weekend because it will give the offense that's struggling so far a chance every game. So other than Sean Reed Foley, the first run through the rotation, none of those first four guys gave up a run in their outings, and they all went over five innings. That's insane. Yeah, it's great. And even Stroman gave up, what, two yesterday? So when you think about it, you remove Sean Reed Foley. Matt Shoemaker was fantastic again today. If only through a few starts removed five guys, so far they've only allowed two runs to starters, which is unreal. And at the beginning of the year, everybody is saying, well, the offense will be a reason why they are somewhat afloat. They'll be better than pitching staff. But it's been the complete opposite at this point. Now, mind you, Everybody's got to make sure they're looking at the quality of teams they've faced. The Tigers and the Orioles figured to be bottom feeders. So we'll see when we get into some tougher opponents with Cleveland this weekend and then Boston next week and Tampa the weekend after. We'll see how the rotation holds up. But you know what, man? Matt Shoemaker's splitter when he's healthy is one of the best pitches we've seen here, and it's pretty equivalent to how good Marco Estrada's changeup has been for fans to watch the last few years in Toronto. That splitter was completely on point today, too. Those the Orioles, young, the unoil Orioles hitters had no idea what to do with it. <laughs> it, does, it at that point, it doesn't matter if they even know it's coming. It's not going to be able to be hit because it just it just tumbles so much out of the strike zone and starts at a strike too. So, you now Shoemaker, if he continues this, obviously he's going to allow a run at some point. But he, some people are already saying, if he continues this with that extra year of control he could be playing his way into being a prime trade candidate at the deadline. And based on the Pilar trade, no veteran is safe on this roster right now. Yeah, and as far as that part goes, if you are thinking the window is to start competing in 2020, that extension, even if we don't do anything with the trade, is very, very valuable, right? Nate Pearson and other guys are pretty far off, Brendan. They are. And you know what was one good thing about seeing Trent Thornton look like he belongs? Again, it is the Tigers. But if Thornton continues doing something like this over his next few starts, he's going to force their hand. 
he looks like he belongs. If he continues to look like that, when Buckles and Barucki return, then they're going to have a very difficult decision to make when it comes to Trent Thornton if he continues what he started uh, on Sunday. But that could lead the way to uh, an earlier-than-normal season trade of a veteran starter. Or we just get the wonderful six-man rotation that we had in 2015 back. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. Keep Sanchez healthier as well and Stroman as well. So keep and, their values as high as it can be. Yeah, because as far as that one would be, the all they all they outside Barucki, all of them have struggled with some injuries. All of them. So, hey, maybe a six-man rotation isn't so out of the question. Crazier things have happened, my friend. <laughs> Still haven't seen that four-man outfield we saw yet during the uh, during spring training. It'd be interesting yeah, to see if that happens anytime soon. And who knows? The Yankees are all dropping like flies right now. The Red Sox still don't know if they figured it all out. <laughs> this American you know League who's is in looking trouble? like a dumpster fire. Chris Sale has looked terrible his first two starts out, and he's lost a lot of velocity. There's something wrong with Chris Sale to this point of the season. I'd be quite concerned if I was a Red Sox fan. Thinking they hold, they should have held off on that extension a couple weeks. What do you think? <laughs> well, you know what? When you got a delivery as funky as Chris Sale, and you've thrown as many innings as he has last year, I've always long said that at some point he's going to have arm problems, and maybe this is the start of that. Yeah, I'm not wishing that because no, I Chris Sale is fantastic. He's fun, to and watch. he's so fun to watch. Exactly. So <laughs> I never wish an injury, but it doesn't look so great the first two starts through for Chris Sale. Yeah, it's kind of like when we had AJ Burnett. <laughs> watching him lead with that elbow the way he did throughout his, his oh. uh oh i'm not shocked that he do that did that thing twice <laughs> yeah no, i completely agree and yes yankees are all on the disabled or sorry the injured list gotta keep on reminding myself it's not the disabled list the You're injured the list <laughs> um, yeah i think everybody's doing that at this point but i think uh, adam and i yeah. were literally changing that one back and forth on during the game cast on sunday <laughs> Yeah, it's going to take some getting used to, man. So it's uh, no big deal. But, yeah, now to this point, maybe they can take advantage of uh, slow starts by the Red Sox and uh, injury-loaded New York Yankees and get off and build a little bit of cushion. That would be nice. Yeah, they got to get back into it a little bit here. And if today was a sign of things to come, the offense is starting to wake from its slumber. They found that, you know, a little bit of, you know, something potency at the plate today. Five runs against the Orioles, yes, but it was after just being completely disgusting at the plate. It was good to see him get out to a moderately crooked number today. Yeah, well, if you look at the their hit totals after opening day, where they only got two the entire time. They had seven in game two, six in game three, eight in game four, six in game five, six again uh, last night, and then ten today. After the first time, maybe time and a half through, they have started to wake up a little bit. So if they start hitting in the first three innings, those hit totals will continue to rise. And uh, more runs will be scored. Yeah, Confidence is coming, I think. There's just so much youth on this team. Things are starting to head in the right direction. Hopefully they build on that a little bit, get out of town a little bit, loosen up maybe a little bit on the road. Yeah. Things can change. early in the season are not a bad thing. Get to know your teammates a little bit better. It would be very confidence-boosting if they go out there and, and look good against guys like Bauer and Carrasco over the weekend. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully uh, my fears are uh, not going to be realized. Yeah, and for your sake, I hope they just crush the Indians because you're going to be there on Saturday. I'll be at the Saturday game, yeah, which is currently lined up to be Sean Reed Foley, which would uh, I'd be very surprised if Sean Reed Foley gets another start because he really hasn't earned being here yet. 
especially after his uh, train wreck of spring training. So it'll be interesting to see if they still go with Sean Reed Foley on Saturday. My guess would be Panone gets a start and Gavilio piggybacks him because both guys haven't pitched since they went out there on Monday. So my guess is they're trying to line them up to piggyback each other on Saturday. Yeah. And with how good Gavilio's done, they don't need Panone and Gavilio sitting in the bullpen. Exactly. Panone maybe goes out there for three, and then Gavilio piggybacks him and goes two or three as well and oh. get into the six and turn things over for Ken Giles, who has been <laughs> fantastic to this point in the season. And uh, Adeguerra hasn't been that bad. Uh, on Sunday, he was a little bit of a, a wreck, but the rest of the bullpen has been uh, quite happy. It's been a nice surprise. Yeah, and uh, I've honestly been very impressed with Javi Guerrero. He's looked pretty good. I like his curve. He does. His curveball is really good. It's just the fastball command just isn't quite there yet. Yeah, and that's what you get. <laughs> so That's what you get on Sunday. <laughs> intriguing. <laughs> Either way, we know Alvis Luciano's staying after having one, you know, one good inning now, right? <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see when he gets out there next. It was kind of surprising to see him when he was used, but... He, he held his own. He looked like he belonged. So hopefully he can build on that in his next outing. Uh, he just continues to build on it, and maybe he doesn't, towards the end of the year, doesn't have to be hidden as far back in the bullpen as possible. Yeah, I love the storyline with that part, too. With uh, Apparently, Elvis Luciano grew up being a giant Miguel Cabrera fan, and that was the first guy he faces in Major League Baseball. <laughs> Baseball is so poetic, isn't it? It's fun how that works. So takeaways... <laughs> From the Tigers series and the Orioles series. Now that we're on getaway day, the Blue Jays won today. And, yeah, there's some good, there's some bad. What's your biggest takeaway, man? Well, the pitching, uh, outside of the pitching, the rotation has been fantastic as we covered. The bullpen has been quite good outside of Daniel Hudson to this point. But in terms of guys I'm happy with so far, Richard Urania has been a fantastic surprise. He's looked really good defensively. He's contributed with the bat. And that led, has led to some more playing time. I and mean, he played today. Grichik, with his uh, now three home runs and a scorching double today, has been uh, been happy with. Freddie Galvis has been quite good and one of the few guys who's actually hitting consistently so far. Uh, and Rowdy, obviously. Smoke has been his normal self. And then I'll give props defensively to both the Oscar and to Brandon Drury to this point. Yeah. I got to put my the feather in the hat here for Randall Grichik. You know, just... He has come in here, and I think in the midst of all this tornado that has been the Blue Jays' rebuild, especially of late in the last few weeks, I think he's really taken the bull by the horns and figured out, hey, this is my locker room to be part of the leadership of this whole team. And I think he's wearing that really well, and I think you've seen that with him just hanging out with everybody in the locker rooms and everything like that that they've shown in little clips and they cut to the dugout, you see him completely enamored in a conversation with whoever it might be. It's not been the same guys every time, and I thought that was very, very cool that, you, you know, he's moving around and talking to everybody kind of thing. So that's what they want. They need somebody like yeah, that. exactly. Just somebody who's nice and loose in the dugout and keeping things white, talking to everybody. So, no, I'm going back to that extension i think he was the perfect candidate to receive it and i'm glad he's going to be here for the next uh for for the foreseeable future yeah so my other big takeaway outside of the guys you just alluded to i can't believe this you know that i love that roddy telez has gotten a job and he's going to actually stick <laughs> yeah the, the way this bolt or the way this starting rotation has been so far yes it's been insanely good over the uh, main part of the season that we've gotten into here. Um, 
outside of Sean Reed Foley, but like we were talking about, he wasn't really meant to be there kind of thing. That camaraderie is back in our starting rotation. The years we were good, 2015-2016, Stroman and Sanchez were buddy-buddy, getting along great, and almost feeding off each other. Seeing them back together, hang out, walking out with all the starting pitchers out of the bullpen after warm-ups and things like that, I honestly couldn't, can't believe that they're all doing that kind of thing together. And it's going to instill this competition. No, I'm going to one-up you every time I go out on the mound, and the Blue Jays are going to only benefit from it. 100%. It's, it's a nice little tradition to see them going out and doing that. They support each other, and you get all five members of the rotation when you go out there. It'll help younger guys, especially. I think definitely would have inspired some confidence in Trent Thornton. Unfortunately, it didn't work the same for Sean Reed Foley, but uh, when some of the younger guys come up here, if that continues, it's, it's only going to help. So just keep on trying to one-up the next guy, and uh, so far it's been pretty hard to one-up Matt Shoemaker and, and uh, Marcus Stroman to this point. Yeah, I think that's been the biggest trend in Blue Jay baseball in general, that that's been instilled through these guys, through the lowest of the low ends of the minor league system. That they kind of just feed off each other. We've seen it with Vo and or Vlad and I'm just going to keep hodgepodging their names together. Vlad and Bo <laughs> <laughs> and Biggio and everybody else. And even the guy we just traded, Rodrigo Orozco, you can see it with them even all the way down to Dunedin last year, that he was batting 300 and there was a couple other guys around him that were doing the same stinking thing. And they were having a grand old time when I was down there in Dunedin watching them play with each other. So it was great. And I, I really think that that culture has officially arrived all the way up to the major leagues now with some of these young players taking over. And it's great to watch. It is. That's what uh, Atkins and Shapiro have wanted to build. It's a culture, and a culture of winning and going out there and being friends with your teammates who you spend the majority of your entire year with. So it's, uh, it is great to see, and uh, I hope it continues. And if it continues, the starting rotation is going to be a big piece to pulling off some sort of a surprise once the offense gets going. Yeah, and when those extension talks continue, right? <laughs> It'll be interesting to see who's next on the extension totem pole, whether it's a starter, maybe it's Sanchez or Stroman, somebody in the bullpen, maybe like a Ken Giles, who has been fantastic so far. And one thing that I love seeing is how much of a leadership role Ken Giles has taken in the bullpen uh, and just in the clubhouse in general. He was the guy who led that beer shower for Charlie Montoya after Friday. Is Ken Giles, who shouted, first big league win, and then starts going out there and, and doubting uh, Charlie Montoya in beer. So maybe Giles is turning into a guy who is an extension candidate as well, and, and so far he's deserved it. He's really taking this new leadership role to heart, and it's, it's awesome to see for a guy who came here with some previous uh, scat or poor history. Yeah, in terms kind of, of like not tainted being almost, right? Yeah, with his uh, little dust-ups in the dugout and hurting himself. But, uh, <laughs> I still yeah, can't get over that one. <laughs> Uh, it's so funny. When I showed my roommate that, we had such a good chuckle over that. But, yeah, this is our closer this year, a guy who punches himself <laughs> after he gets a run. Yeah, didn't, wasn't he on the disabled, or sorry, injuredly list <laughs> right after that, too, because he gave himself a mild concussion or something? Like uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he was. <laughs> I'm not shocked. He hit himself pretty good. <laughs> he did not win the fight with me, myself, and I, Brennan. No, he, he definitely lost that battle. So, But, yeah, that would be a very good pick. But I really am starting to wonder with how they're structuring this whole thing, if it's going to end up being one of these young kids that they end up locking up next. 
just because they know things are coming and they know they want to, you know, maybe it's because it's the wonderful new trend in baseball is extension, extension, extension. Then there's the flip of that. Uh, I think that, honestly, I don't think they're going to do anything else. I'd be shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I after Grichik, I'm not sure which veteran it is. I think the one that makes the most sense is extending one of Sanchez or Stroman, especially when you consider how far off the depth behind them is. Um, so it would be nice to have some stability at the top of your rotation for the next few years at least. And, yeah, I don't know. I think it'll just depend on how it all plays out and pitching well. And yeah, I, I, we've said this a lot. I think if they had their choice, they'd be extending Aaron Sanchez and trading Marcus Stroman. Yeah, but if you're getting any kind of production out of this team at all, do you try starting that infighting by giving one of them a contract in the middle of this season? I don't think that happens. Yeah, I, I don't either. Especially how uh, <laughs> Stroman takes react. arbitration. <laughs> yeah, there'll be some sort of reaction, but it's a business. So if they choose to do that, then uh, it'll be for the right reasons, obviously. I agree. So Cleveland, like you alluded to, you're going to be there. What does this team have to do to get by the pitching juggernaut, and what is a you what should be a pretty good offense for the Cleveland Indians? Well, continue to pitch well. Um, Stroman will be out there Sunday, Sanchez tomorrow, Thornton on Friday, and whoever starts on Saturday. Um, start hitting in the first three innings. Get some guys on base. Make the starters pitch out of the stretch. With the four who are going, maybe not Shane Bieber, but Shane Bieber is quite good. With Carrasco, Bauer, and Clevenger, if they get locked in early, they're not going to be able to get them out of their rhythm and routine. It's going to be very difficult to knock them once they're getting going, racking up the strikeouts, the ground balls, all that stuff. So put some early pressure on them. Get runners on base. Wreak havoc on the base paths. And hit in the first three innings. You know what? I don't know how many games the Jays will end up taking at this point. I think I'd be happy with one, considering how many how many good starters are going to be facing. Two would be a huge win in my mind if they are able to pull off a series split. Yeah, I I'd honestly would knowing what we're getting into and how we've been playing, I would do freaking backflips right now if we knew if I knew we were going to win two games this weekend. Anything more than two would be a huge surprise. I think just go uh, going into this series. I'll be happy with one. I'll be thrilled with two and anything more than that. If they somehow win the series three out of four, then, hey, that's fantastic, and that should help them build some confidence going into Boston next week for their home opener. And World Series ring, um, um, uh, I guess, announcements or, or giveaways, whatever the heck they call it. Yeah. The presentation. Ring day. Lost the word. Presentation of, yeah, ring day, exactly. The presentation of a World Series ring. So hopefully, we'll see. I honestly hope they ruin that parade. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> and I know Adam Corsair knows. There it does too. People, people are saying it'd be so funny if they signed Craig Kimbrell to just go out there in blue on Ring Day and get his ring as a member of the Blue Jays. Oh, do a do a one day contract. <laughs> Won't happen. He's apparently checking his schedule if he'll be available to show up at the ballpark to get his ring. Be very weird if he still shows up. But hey, you got to go get your World Series ring. Honestly, if I'm him, I'm protesting the living shit out of that, but that's besides the point. <laughs> the fact Pay that he's unemployed is shocking. And, and but it, it, I think it, he's doing it to himself just as much as uh, Major League Baseball is doing it to him. Yeah, same with Dallas Keuchel. I think both of them need to uh, start lowering their expectations with Tad. It's extension season. Big contracts and free agency for the most part are pretty much done, uh, to this point at least, other than Bryce Harper and a few handful of others. So, 
Lower the expectations, they'll get signed. They'll get signed. Speaking of extensions, did you see your extension offer in your Twitter account? No. Let me see. <laughs> I said that you and I have both been uh, extended here on Jaybird Watching, and we are going to earn exactly enough advertising money to earn one full beer each for each episode. <laughs> oh, there we go. I just saw that. Now that would be perfect. That would be a, a great way to spend the uh, spend the earnings. But only it has to be in person, so that maybe will get me down to Buffalo sooner than I think. Or, you know, I'm going to find a way to get up there. It's just how it is. Yeah. It's Toronto awesome. ain't that far away from Rochester. It's a road trip. I love my road trips. <laughs> a, a weekend road trip. You leave Saturday morning, get there for the 3 o'clock Saturday game, and leave Sunday after the game. You're home by 8. Boom. Easy. <laughs> so, Brendan, what's cooking? Do you got uh, anything going on with Jay's Journal, or are you just Joe Biagini watching now? I think I'm just looking for players to break news to. <laughs> when the Polar trade happened, you're just roaming I was with shoppers actually, everywhere around Toronto. <laughs> exactly. When the when the Polar trade was broken, I was actually out grabbing lunch. I didn't stage that, and I was right by the shopper, so I took the selfie in front of it. It's like, well, who am I going to run into today to tell them about Kevin Polar? Kevin, but, uh, Kevin Polar. Uh, oh no. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, Kevin. You're uh, on your way to uh, California, but. Uh, <laughs> Probably something on Trent Thornton. I really want to cover his uh, first start, his uh, especially the spin rate angle. The stat that I haven't busted out yet, but on making his MLB debut, Toronto's Trent Thornton strikes out Nick Castellanos, Miguel Cabrera, and Nico Goodrum all in curveballs. The spin rates on those, 3,180, 3,179, and 2,973. Where the MLB average on spin rates on curveballs is 2,491. So I really want to cover that angle, and it will make him successful. I hope Thornton goes out there and uh, builds upon what he did, and he will be up here in the rotation for uh, the next few years. Yeah, either way, and then that was the scouting report on Trent Thornton to a T. Tons and tons and tons of spin. <laughs> and it's not just on that. I, his his fastball was moving really, really good against the Tigers the other day. And, I don't. yes, I know that it was against the Tigers, but honestly – he had eight strikeouts and was, what, one, two hitting him through six innings? I will put I put stock in that start, yeah. considering it was his first major league start. Absolutely. The rest of them, I'll give a bit of a pass and a bit of an asterisk, but no, I, I, I put all the stock in, in that Trent Thornton start. Well, the way I see it is if he was facing a insanely good lineup, if he's pitching that well, that's still a two-run, three-run game. that he yep. keep, That's keeping your team in the ballpark, you know? The offense should have no problem scoring two runs, three runs a night. And if you can keep your pitching to that point, it should be an easy chance to get a win. 100%. And that's what they got to keep on doing to stay afloat in uh, in April when they start facing stiffer competition. The great Cito Gaston said the best, my friend. If you win series, you, win play- you get to the playoffs. It's that simple. Exactly. Too bad we don't have a series win to talk about, but uh, hopefully within the next few uh, week or so. With hopefully how the Red Sox are playing, maybe we can spoil that home opener just a touch. <laughs> it would be cool to uh, to uh, take both of those games in, in Finlay Park with all the excitement that'll be going on. So we'll see what happens. One will be fine. Definitely. So on that note, Brendan, we're going to wrap up another wonderful episode of the Wednesday Wallop. We will be back next Tuesday, I believe, is what we talked about before the show, right? That's right. Tuesday night, right the night before... I don't like dropping hockey references on here, but uh, right before likely the Leafs' first playoff game against the Boston Bruins. I'm just assuming with how good the Raptors are doing and the Maple Leafs are playing that that's the reason our ratings have been down. 
Well, we'll attribute it to that. Everybody's getting ready for the playoffs around here, yeah, especially with the Raptors, who should be able to get to the NBA Finals. They are a stellar team, and I would be surprised if there's anything short of that. It will be a massive you know, blow to the balls <laughs> if they don't. <laughs> so, Brendan, thanks again. Wonderful Wednesday wallop. Um, yeah, and we'll be back soon, everybody, right here on Jaybird Watching. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.